Hello, and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Biver, the NFL editor for SB Nation. With me, as always, Danny Kelly and Stephen White, uh, the, the, uh, the two football minds that keep the place running here. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Doing great. Excellent. <laughs> well, He's always doing way better than me, I think. He's always I always say I always say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you guys are both doing great. <laughs> but that's just strictly from an on-field perspective. I don't know, you know, your situations with you know, the with women and the distra- the off-field distractions, off-field that, distractions. Are, that are that are compromising your work here, but I guess that's we'll deal with that uh, we'll deal with that later. Off the air. Man, I wish I knew I wish I knew Olivia mine. <laughs> I started to say, yeah, me too, but then I'm like, no, I better not say that. I think my father in law listens to this podcast. <laughs> She's just a really talented actress, is my point. <laughs> I love the X Men. She was in uh, New Girl, which I'm watching recently, and she was just really good in that. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> we, just, we just learned a lot about you your TV viewing habits. <laughs> also a great show. Newsroom. I love that show. I know a lot of people don't. Newsroom, she was great in that, too. She was on The Daily Show for a while, too. Just like a oh, correspondent, yeah. you know, right. where the, they do a story every now and then on The Daily Show. And then, oh, uh, here's a weird fact about Olivia Munn. Went to high school with Sam Bradford in Oklahoma City. No way. Yeah. Way. That, is, that is a... How about that? that? That is something. And in one of Sam Bradford's more compelling interviews, he goes, he said something to the effect of, yeah, she wouldn't really talk to me. <laughs> she knew. And then it was right back to the, the, the excellent Sam Bradford quote you usually get in a Sam Bradford interview. <laughs> <laughs> um... Well, you know, if you're just tuning in, in case you haven't heard the hot takes burning up the NFL world on the Internet, we've got quite a few hot takes burning up the NFL world on the Internet today, or this week, I guess. But uh, Somebody has accused, and it's weird because it's both of the uh, NFC Championship game teams from last season, the Packers and the Seahawks. Their quarterbacks are struggling a little bit this year, or recently at any rate. And... Uh, some dipshits have uh, decided to take it upon themselves <laughs> to assume that it's because of their girlfriends for some reason. Right. Olivia Munn, in the case of Aaron Rodgers, and uh, Ciara, in the case of Russell Wilson. In one case, there's too much sex. In the other case, there's not any sex. So there's, you know, those battling theories of whether or not you're supposed to have sex before the big bout. I don't know which one's correct in this case. I think they're blaming both right now. It's it's they're funny how that works. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I was just saying they can't win either way. Like, like Dennis <laughs> just pointed out. You know, on the one hand, you know, Sierra and, and, and Russell Wilson have proclaimed they're not having sex, so you would think that that's a good deal. <laughs> we don't know about Aaron Rodgers and Olivia Munn, but we can speculate that they haven't taken such a vow. <laughs> but they still blaming both of them, and, and it, it's crazy because look, there's a bunch of offensive linemen playing like shit this year. I've yet to hear anybody blame their girlfriend for it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I mean, somebody. I think somebody actually somebody was joking around on Twitter. It's like, well, if they weren't having sex, they could take their offensive linemen out for steak dinners, and then they wouldn't be so bad, or something to that extent. But I mean, it's really just about as logical as anything. Shit, steak ain't helping nobody on the Seahawks offense. <laughs> steak might be a better blocker than some of those guys. <laughs> Just a big uh-huh. fucking raw T-bone out there, and it would be more effective <laughs> against... Uh, better, better feet. <laughs> <laughs> Injured less than Russell Okun. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> So, I don't know, that was just a, a dumb thing that people were talking about on the internet today. But, <laughs> you know, I, I was kind of thinking about that a little bit. And I think sometimes, like, people see Aaron Rodgers, and to a lesser extent Russell Wilson. I mean, he obviously hasn't been playing as long as Rodgers has. But, you know, you're used to, uh, you're used to seeing uh, those guys play at a pretty high level recently. And I think all of a sudden fans who, you know, I, I mean, I'm not... 
you know, it, it's the mysteries of playing quarterback are go beyond just, you know, what the impact that these guys have on your fantasy lineup. But so you see these guys struggle that you're used to seeing just do outstanding work all the time. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's anything but, you know, the fact that maybe, hey, they're just in a slump or their offensive line sucks or the offense is making some really confusing decisions with its game planning because that stuff's a little harder to understand or mm-hmm. explain than stuff like, ah, these guys are getting laid too much or not enough, you know. It's the easiest thing to blame, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, it's it's as close to superstition as anything. I think it's like, you know, it's it's – an easy out like Russell Wilson went to Mexico during his uh during the bye week I'm sure he wasn't the only player on the Seahawks to go on vacation or spend some time away from the the facility but because he was posting pictures of it on Instagram like that was the reason you know he played so terribly last week I'm just like it's just the easiest connection to make so people naturally make it yeah, well, and it's easier to explain that than it is explained. Like, man, Daryl Bevel's offense, what the fuck is going <laughs> on with that this year? Yeah, exactly. Because, now I tell you, that is some confusing shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I'm I'm not... <laughs> I was just laughing thinking about Marshawn Lynch's mama going off on him and how right she was, it turns out, for the rest of the season from that Rams game. So, you know, I mean, look, sometimes maybe we should listen to these people's parents when they complain about the game plan because she's spot on. Like, what the fuck are you? <laughs> it is kind of, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It's like, hell, she's been watching football as long as anybody, you know? <laughs> yeah. They, uh, it's funny. Did you, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Russell Wilson uh, or Marshawn Lynch's agent during the Seahawks game tweeted, at Russell Wilson to take his head out of his ass. <laughs> yeah. I did see that. And, yeah. That was probably one of the hardest things for him to do, but it was pretty funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I he noticed took- it deleted. It got, it got deleted pretty quick, too. But, of course, that never nothing ever disappears on the Internet. Yeah. I just thought that was pretty funny. I mean, this team is a circus, as per usual. It seems like every week there's something going on with the Seahawks like this, but... But yeah, that was a bad. Their offense looked just completely inept in that last one. Well, somebody had a stat about Jimmy Graham, how like how few times he's been targeted or something like that. I can't remember actually, the exact. Stat. I think he's been targeted quite a bit uh, this year. Right. He actually still leads the Seahawks in receiving, but his red zone stuff's not been good. Russell Wilson's been terrible in the red zone, um, and basically he only has two touchdowns this year, which is way off of his normal production. And one of the big reasons they wanted him to come in here, obviously, is to score touchdowns. So um, if he doesn't kind of turn it around in, in the last couple of games, last seven games here, you know, people are going to be looking at it, like wondering if they would have been a lot better off just spending that first rounder on like an offensive lineman, obviously. But uh, I mean, he's been targeted a ton. In fact, I think he's like already on pace to like get around the same amount of yardage he did last year and like an offense that throws the ball, uh, you know, another, you know, 30% more than the Seahawks do. So um, his production in terms of receiving hasn't been bad, but the touchdown thing is the big thing. I said that since the beginning of the year, like if he gets six to, or if he gets eight to 10 touchdowns, like this is a good trade in my mind. If he doesn't, then you kind of wonder what they're doing. So um, he's got to pick it up in the second half, in my opinion, in terms of getting some touchdowns, he dropped a touchdown pass against Cardinals. So, yeah. So yeah, to me, to me that still goes back to Bevel though because having a bunch of targets is great, but it matters what kind of targets those are. Right. And why they're still trying to make him an inline blocker is so fucking beyond me. I have no clue. Even yeah. if you just fuck it, say he's a wide receiver and just line him out wide. Whatever you have to do, get him the fuck off the line trying to block people that he can't block. And, and I'm not even saying he doesn't want to try to block. He just has terrible technique. He never brings his feet with him when he comes off the ball. He comes off the ball pretty hard, but then he ends up getting blown up because he doesn't bring his feet with him. He doesn't know what to do with his hands. He's kind of like uh, Ricky Bobby when he's, when he's trying to do an interview. He's not sure what to do with his hands unless he's catching a fucking football. So line him out in the slot or out wide and throw him a goddamn football. It's not that hard. And that's why he hasn't had all these touchdowns because he's trying to throw it to him as a tight end. Let him line up out there and throw him a damn fade every single time you're in the red zone, and I guarantee you he'll have double digits. 
but they yeah, don't want to do that for some reason. I, I just don't get it. Yeah, and that that's exactly like what we were complaining about during the game is on one key, you know, two point conversion for the Seahawks, they got him out on the wing, matched up against Tyron Matthews, five foot nine, um, you know, one on one situation in press coverage, and they they had it twice actually, and they didn't throw it to him either time. And it's just like what what like why did you get this guy like and then throwing like a little like fade route to the back of the end zone to Doug Baldwin instead. It's like, don't, isn't that exactly what you want from him? Like the one-on-one on the outside against a short guy? Like that's exactly what you want. And part of, part of it for me, I think Russell Wilson's not very good at throwing jump balls. I don't think he's very, that's like whatever reason, going back, you know, through his career, I can remember only a few that are like right on, you know, he's, he's not a Drew Brees in terms of throwing a back shoulder for, for whatever reason. I don't know why, but the timing has been terrible. Yeah, he can't seem to judge Jimmy Street yet. So right. he either throws yeah. it real short or it doesn't end up being a back shoulder fade and, and the DB is able to break it up. Right. But to yeah. me, I just feel like, look, he's not going to get any better not throwing it, so at least tell him to throw it in the game so he figures it out. Right. I mean, I just, and even if, let's say, okay, he just can't do that shit. Throw, throw a quick slant. Yeah. Quick slant is one of the best throws in the red zone ever. I love quick slant. Because especially I would like play action or quick play action, quick play action, bring the linebackers up, throw the quick slant. I don't know why every offense doesn't do that in the red zone, but especially when you got a big body guy who's going to catch it and hold on to the football when he gets hit because you're going to get hit on a quick slant. And, and, and you're still the bigger guy. Like on Trevor Matthew is a fantastic defender, but he cannot deal with Jimmy Graham in space. Most people can't, but they don't even try – to exploit that 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 matchup as much as they could, I, I just I don't get it. I mean, especially yeah. it, it, I can see if like everything else is going fine, like we smoke was hundred percent healthy, uh, you know, Russell was having a decent year, and so you didn't really need to feed uh, Jimmy Graham. But with the state of this offense, why in the hell wouldn't you? <clears throat> right? Yeah, I, mean, I, completely... I, I, don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I think you're spot on. It's I, that's you're, you're essentially, you know, saying the frustration of a lot of Seahawks fans that I hear. You know, it's just like really pretty confusing as to why they're not going to him in those situations. It's like that's exactly what you want, you know. And then that's exactly why you went and got him, but yet they refuse to do it. And you know what? Honestly, because Ryan, I, I wrote that article about the Bears this, you know, last night and. Basically, one of the cruxes of the whole article was the Bears are actually playing like they're scheming smart. They're using their weapons in smart ways. They're asking their guys to do things that they're good at. And part of the reason I was writing that is I was so frustrated watching the Seahawks play. <laughs> like they're just like you have all these weapons and like they for whatever reason can't figure out how to use them. It's like pisses me off. It's like why can't you just be logical and do the logical thing here? But. Um, I think the Bears are doing that with some of their guys, but you know, I think part of the reason I was I wanted to write that article is because it was so frustrating watching the Seahawks like you know fiddle around trying to do these random like trick plays and when they have exactly what they want. And that's what I wonder too. Sometimes and like we've talked about this before. I mean, we've talked. You guys have written about this stuff, you know, multiple times, both of you, this throughout the season. It's just you have these cases of teams trying to be the scheme trying to be smarter than it needs to be they outsmart themselves yeah yeah and you always see that never seems to work out you know what i mean there's a difference between like to me scheming like belichick and the patriots scheme you know for an opponent you know they they tailor their game plan for that opponent but there's scheming like that and then there's just scheming to fucking scheme and it's just like well where does that get you you know what i mean Right, right, and really, the 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 Patriots' way of scheming is the antithesis of what we're talking about with Bevel. Bevel is the type of guy that, that schemes and says, "My scheme is going to work," and so it doesn't matter what the other team does. We're going to figure this shit out in the context of my scheme. Yeah, and so if it, if that means Jimmy Graham has to be an inline blocker, then so be it. Yep. Yeah, Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, on the other hand, says we're going to attack. Their strengths on defense and their and their strengths uh, uh, on offense. We're going to tell our game plan so that even the stuff that we normally do good, if it doesn't work against this team, we're going to do something different. If 
we need to line a guy up somewhere that they normally don't line up to take advantage of a matchup. That's what we're going to do. And so it's the exact antithesis of a guy like Daryl Bevel. And that's why I love watching, you know, the Patriots play every week because you're going to see something new almost every single week trying to take advantage of a matchup problem, whether it's on offense or defense. You just don't see that with a lot of these coaches, and I don't get it. It's like they value their scheme over the players that have been brought in to play for them. And it just, that, that is just that's so stupid to me, and it gets a lot of guys fired, and they just don't seem to get it. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's dumbfounding. I always respected the Patriots, too, because, I mean, they prepare for the Jaguars – like they prepare for the Super Bowl. I mean, it's just not like they don't like you don't you don't see that an opponent to, you know, them taking a week off because it's a it's a gimme opponent. You know what I mean? Right. I, so I'm going to take this and, and then ask you about the Packers, because this is a this is sort of a mystery to people. And, and as much as as easy maybe it is as it is to blame Olivia Munn. Obviously, <laughs> we know that that's really not what's going on with the Packers right now. I think the Packers have uh, other problems, more tangible problems um, affecting them right now. And I think uh, they have a big game this week coming up against the Vikings, and all of a sudden there's a legit question as to whether or not uh, the the Packers or the Vikings are the kings of the NFC North right now. So let me, uh, let, me, let me throw this over to you, Stephen. What do you, what, you look at the Packers. What's, what's your take on Aaron Rodgers and what's going on there now? They've lost three in a row. The offense isn't as productive as it was to start the season. What, what's, the, what's the view you're taking here? Well, let's start off with another problem that they're having, and that is Eddie Lacy. Mm. Whatever is going on with Eddie Lacy is something unforeseen. We all thought that, look, Eddie Lacy was going to build off his good year last year, and it seemed like he started off this year that way. But, man, has he fallen off. And now he's lost his starting position and probably won't get it back. James Starks has been playing well, but he's not Eddie Lacy when Eddie Lacy was really rolling. Right. And that is a huge difference because that makes a difference on blitz pickup. That makes a difference on play-action pass. When, when Eddie Lacy is coming downhill, you cannot sit back and hope that it's a play-action pass. you got to come downhill, too, and that opens up all of those lanes on play-action pass. Yeah. Now you have a, a different guy in, 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 in Starks who's a legitimate running back and has been playing well, but he's just not the same threat. So that's where it starts with me. Then you have Aaron Rodgers, who, who has missed a few throws that we expect him to make, true enough. But I thought he made enough throws to win last week, and I thought his, at the end of the game, his wide receivers kind of let him down. And, and guys that you don't expect to, like Randall Cobb. Yeah. So uh, it, it's been a, a group effort, I would say. Obviously, the offensive line has, has had some struggles, too. But Aaron Rodgers basically has been able to mitigate those problems for the most part because he's so athletic. But, you know, you had the Broncos game. And, and let's not devalue the teams they've gone against. They went against the Broncos and came back against the Panthers. That's a murderer's row two weeks in a row. Yeah, right? okay, That's exactly. going to give most quarterbacks fits. But, you know, they, they couldn't get away from man coverage against the Broncos. Had some different issues against uh the Carolina Panthers, who are also a, a really good defense. And so, again, I, I think this everything that's wrong, except for Eddie Lacy, I'm not sure if his problems are really weight-related or the ankle. I know he had a strained ankle and some other ailments. Maybe he just needs to get healthy. But they really need him to come back strong and finish strong this season because we know what's coming up. Bad weather, especially yep. in Green Bay, at the end of the year, you need that running game really going. You can't throw it 50 times a game. In that situation, you can try, but it probably is not going to work out well. So they need Eddie Lacy somehow, some way to come back to some semblance of what he looked like most of last year and most of the beginning of this season. And guys have to pick it up a little bit. But I, I, I know why we're heaping all this on on, the, on Aaron Rodgers. He's the star quarterback. Yeah, he gets all the accolades when he plays well. He's supposed to get a lot of the blame when he don't play well. But a lot of people are contributing to the offensive woes right now. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, you got Jordy Nelson out, and that was always his top receiver. That doesn't help things either in the offense. When the when Devontae Adams isn't quite as reliable as maybe everyone had hoped at the beginning of the season. Devontae Adams had 21 targets in this last game and only 79 receiving yards, which I think is the most targets 
Uh, or I say, I guess I should say the fewest amount of yards for the for twenty one targets of all time. <laughs> Good God! I think I saw someone tweet that stat. I, someone correct me if I'm wrong. I think I think it's uh, I think that was the worst performance for twenty one targets of any receiver ever. Um, which kind of tells you exactly what you know you just said is that they really missed Jordy Nelson on the outside. You know, kind of that deep threat. Um, I don't know what's going on with Adams. You know, maybe he'll develop, but I don't think his routes are super crisp. I don't think his hands are, have been very very good so far. Um, and you know, obviously with the with the Packers, a lot of their offense is very timing based, and like um, you know, <clears throat> with Aaron Rodgers, a lot of stuff like the ball comes out quickly and and all that, and it's just not translating with uh, with Devonta Adams on the outside. And I guess they just don't have anyone else to take over that role obviously uh ty montgomery's been hurt not that he's necessarily the same type of guy um they, they just have too many injuries right now well and people thought i mean when they went back out and got james jones after the, the <clears throat> oh yeah the, james jones the uh injury to nelson i mean but people were like well that's you know that's not a one-to-one replacement he's a different kind of receiver than jordy nelson was right or is but he, but he has playing. played well yeah you know, he, yeah he really has played well a lot better than most of us thought, thought he would and I'll say this about Ty Montgomery. He was really coming on at the point where he got hurt. Like that game when he got hurt, looked, it looked like when he really, like the light had finally come on for him. Well, finally, he's a rookie. But the light had come on for him. And that Aaron Rodgers was, was kind of trusting in him a little bit more. And I talked about that when they did resign James Jones after the injury to Jordy Nelson. Mm-hmm. A lot of this is about trust with Aaron Rodgers. If he doesn't trust you, you can be wide open all you want to. He's really not going to throw you the football probably. Yeah, and so uh, you know, it, it, when Ty Montgomery gets back, it'll be interesting to see how he comes off injury because I really was getting excited. Hell, I was about to pick him up for my fantasy team. <laughs> to be honest with you, but he really started looking like, "Hey, I know what I'm doing. I'm, 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 I'm not thinking too much on the field anymore, and I'm ready to be a game breaker." So uh-huh. uh, now, now, another thing that that's kind of underrated too is. And I noticed this at the end of the game is it doesn't seem like he has their go to tight end anymore. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they're kind of mixing and matching guys. They, they really need one of those tight ends to step up a little bit more, too. Yeah. And that was, I, you know, I was kind of surprised they didn't get more. But I guess, too, it's it's maybe that just not the Green Bay way, like the, the Vernon Davis trade talk and the, the Jared Cook trade talk and stuff that went around around the trade deadline. But that's also not necessarily the way green bay's done stuff in the past but man it seems like they could have used a little something like that yeah um, i mean they have richard rogers who's a, a pretty good tight end you know not necessarily anything special he's a starter but he wasn't really in on the last the last drive of the game no so no they had another guy making catch i'm like who is this <laughs> so uh you know and, and that's kind of something green bay has always kind of had a good tight end a good you know receiving uh, reliable receiving tight end especially the move the chains and you know uh, they don't seem to have that anymore so you know you got to find different uh safety valves if you're if you're Aaron Rodgers because you can't just chuck it down the field every single time and I'm not sure who that is for him right now other than maybe Randall Cobb in the slot yeah and it's a different look and that's going to be tested I think this week against the Vikings because that Vikings defense is nothing to nothing to sneeze at no they're playing well they are they are so disciplined, and that's the thing about I love about their defense is, uh, you know, they have some really good players, true enough. But what you don't see on film is guys like out of their gap or covering the wrong guy, stuff like that. They all seem to be on the same page almost every single play, mm-hmm. and even when they give up a play, it, it, it's you know usually a physical situation where maybe they miss a tackle or something, but not because somebody's not in their gap. And I love that about them, and it's a reflection of their head coach. Yeah, I, and Zimmer's done a really—he's underrated this season. I mean, for all the talk about coaches this year, that that's been mostly kind of bad because it's focused on the guys that have gotten fired or not doing a very good job. But I'm telling you what, that Zimmer man—you got it, Zimmerman man—is <laughs> got to be uh, got to be in the conversation for coach of the year. Now we'll see how the Vikings finish the season, but it's mm. the way you know—they just rattled off five straight wins after their bye week. And it wasn't the toughest stretch of schedule, but you know, it, it's five wins is five wins. Yeah, there was a yeah, there was a few good ones in there. I think. I mean, beating Oakland is no. I mean, yeah. I, I like the Bears win. Bears. They beat the even Bears the Rams. In Chicago. 
Yeah, the Rams. I mean, that's not an easy team to beat now. I, I'll, I'll no. have to begrudgingly admit. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> we just broke new ground on the podcast. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but but they, they've actually done that, too, with one of their best players, Sharif Floyd, had to have surgery. So yeah. he's out several games. And they didn't really even miss a beat. So, uh, you know, guys are stepping up. And like I said, everybody, especially on defense, is playing discipline. And the truth of the matter is, and I know we all are kind of Teddy Bridgewater fans, he hasn't necessarily even played his best football lately either. No, and right. he's still been able to win. So that, that that to me is the mark of a good football team. And I kind of talked about that with Andy Dalton before. When I said, look, the, the thing that's going to tell us about this Bengals team is, can they win when bad, bad Andy shows up? Because usually they can't. And last week they couldn't. Mm. This Vikings team is winning ugly or pretty. They, take your pick. When, when Teddy plays well, they play really well. When Teddy plays not so great, they still play good enough to beat your ass. Yeah. So, you know, those are the teams that you keep an eye on because they're probably going to go pretty well, pretty far into the playoffs. Yeah. I, that secondary to me doesn't get enough credit either because it's not got a lot of big-name guys on it. I mean, you know, this is you're talking Terren, 37-year-old Terrence Newman is – is a nine-game starter, and he's having a hell of a season there, too. The whole group is. Two picks last week. Yeah. I mean, you know, I know it makes it easier when your front seven's as good as that, but still. I I was going to ask Steven, I don't know how closely you've studied him, but um, has Harrison Smith kind of emerged as, like, a really good safety? I I know that he's kind of been around. right there. Hell, yes, he has. (laughs) He is legit. As a safety, and he can do everything you want him to do: cover, blitz, knock the hell out of people in the run game. Yeah, all of, and he looks to be a leader on that team as well. And, and back to the point about their their defensive line, really and truly, they don't have a whole lot of stars there either. You look at Everson Griffin, who's still an underrated guy, but but really, you know, last year was his first year as a starter. Yeah, and and, and he's a good guy. Brian Robinson, very good player, not a superstar. Linval Joseph, same thing. Sharif Floyd is trying to come into his own now. So those guys are playing well without necessarily being big-name guys. And it, and it kind of goes to show you don't necessarily have to have a whole bunch of first-rounders or big-time uh, 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 free agent guys. You can do it with guys who are just talented if you actually coach them. Yeah, And that's what I love about this team. man. It is obvious, very obvious, this is a well-coached team. And that's why they're beating people most of the time because guess what? They're not going to give you the game. You're going to have to take it from them. They don't make a whole lot of mistakes on offense or defense or special teams. Yeah. And they've already matched. I was just looking. They've looked back. They've matched their win total from last season. They were 7-9 to nine last season. They're 7-2 and two right now. That's, you know, not a bad follow-up sophomore season for Mike Zimmer there. And it's helped to have Adrian Peterson back, too. And they got a, t- and they got a touchdown out of Cordero Patterson on the – was it a punt return or a kick return? I can't remember. Hey, kick return. I, yeah. I, I don't think he does returns anymore. It was, it was, it was a that's kick true. return. Though. Yeah, okay. But, I mean, that, that's another – I mean, it's like you kind of forgot about that guy a little bit, but they're getting yeah. production yeah. out of him too. But, yeah, a- AP, he's actually – I think he's like 200 yards ahead of the next highest rusher right now. I'm going to look that up as we're talking here. But he is just like dominating in terms of the run game lately, um, which helps them put teams away. Uh, he's got 961 yards. Next closest is uh, Chris Johnson with 734. Yeah, and I guess that was my next question with the Vikings is like one criticism coming into the season was, hey, man, this offensive line is a big red flag because Matt Khalil's been a huge disappointment after, you know, being drafted so highly a couple years back in 2012, uh, you know, the left tackle Matt Khalil, and the the rest of the line was kind of shaky, but, uh, you know, I, I haven't watched them close enough to say, I mean, they, they did a good job against the Rams, defense which isn't you know an easy team to for a blocker to to face that defense for 60 minutes but uh i haven't really noticed i haven't noticed them being one of the especially awful offensive lines out there either or uh, it depends on what you want yeah because the right tackle went down to a a load hold and so they had to start the rookie Clemens, and and i actually did a a write-up on him uh this past spring and one of the things I talked about is how good he was as a run blocker. So when they run the ball well, he, he's pretty in his element, I would say. 
he's a fish out of water against fast rushers, though. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, so they have to ship and stuff like that, which is smart to kind of help him out. But he is struggling a little bit as, as a fast blocker, as you would imagine a rookie would be, especially a guy like him who has some issues with fast with, with blocking coming out anyway. Yeah. But like you said, I mean, the run blocking stuff, and that's what they do the most of, hey, man, they're, they're pretty good at that. And so you're going to have to commit people to the box, and that's kind of what we talked about with Teddy last year that he didn't have, is, you know, now he's getting on play-action passes a lot of more cleaner looks because you do have the linebackers on the opposing team biting on a play-action fake. You have to. It's Adrian Peterson. How can you not? Just like with Eddie Lacy. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's helping him. Unfortunately, sometimes he isn't really taking advantage the way we thought he would in some situations. I really would love to see him and uh, what's the wide receiver, the fast wide receiver that was in my was in Pittsburgh and in Miami. Uh, Simpson, uh, Wallace, Mike Wallace, Mike, Mike Wallace. Wallace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. still cannot seem to get on the same page, man. And Mike Wallace is getting open deep a lot. Yeah. So if if they because of the play action pass stuff, so if they could ever get on the same page, man, they'll light up the scoreboard really. <clears throat> so uh, you know, I, I think the offensive line has been okay. I don't think they've been all that great against the pass. But, look, Adrian Peterson is going to make your offensive line look better regardless. Yeah. Uh, he is back to his old self, and he broke an 80-yarder to seal the game last week when, when they were really just trying to get a couple of first downs. Mm-hmm. Took it to the house. So, and, and, and if he didn't have the trouble with beating his son last year, he'd be the, 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 one of the top MVP candidates we talk about. Yeah. Right now, as it is, doesn't really seem like he's in the conversation for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he's having a hell of a year. I mean, almost 1,000 yards at the halfway point. Uh, that's a pretty good year. It's, this, he's on pace to have the second best. If he, you know, for, through his 16 games, he's on pace to have the second best season of his career outside of the 2,000-yard wow. one. He'll finish at this pace. He'll finish close to 1,700 yards, which would be his second highest total outside of that 2,000-yard season. Pretty so crazy. nothing to sneeze at. Right. As like he said against the Rams, he wasn't quite ready to hand over the mantle to Todd Gurley just yet. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and sure, understandably so. Why, why not? You know, why not? <laughs> um, let's see. We've got uh, – I know, I know you guys are, are super pumped about the Titans-Jaguars game tonight. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. But it does actually have playoff implications. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. Amazing. <laughs> Amazingly enough, I know. It's uh it's uh Jacksonville could be make it if they win tonight, they'll be four four and six, and now depending on what happens with Indianapolis and Houston in their next games, that could be a potential three way tie for the, the <laughs> AFC South, which has this year's dubious honor of being that particular division. <laughs> Like well, the, 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 look, the NFC East ain't half seven either now. I think no, the, that's the, true. Their leader is like five and five too. So the Giants. Let's not, let's not let them off the hook either. <laughs> no, and that's and that's probably something to to talk about here too. It's probably something uh, that's uh, let's let me be nice about it. This is something that'll be more relevant from now until Sunday than the Titans Jaguars <laughs> game will be. Um, Tony Romo's coming back this week. Yep. So all the Cowboys' <clears throat> distress, I mean, there's still a chance here for them. Yeah. Now, listen, so Or am I last, just being over last, the top with it? <laughs> is, it was still a chance, sort of like the dumb and dumber dating thing. Where it's so like, I was about to say that, too. So you're still a chance. <laughs> go ahead, Dan. Go ahead, Dan. What, what are you uh, about to say? Now, I'm not, I'm not going to crown them as uh, the NFC East you know, under like dark horses or anything like that. I think at this point it's pretty much, you know, they're out of it at this point, but I will say last year, the Des Bryant, Tony Romo connection was maybe one of the best of anyone in the NFL. Um, I, cause I, I looked this up because when I, when Jimmy Graham got traded to the Seahawks, I was like, okay, so what kind of player is he going to be for the Seahawks? For me, the big thing is he's going to be a touchdown maker. Um, obviously the Seahawks don't run the ball very much, but last year the Cowboys ran the ball, around the same amount as the Seahawks. I want to say, you know, somewhere in the same uh, vicinity. And so Des Bryant had 16 touchdowns in one of the lowest passing 
lowest volume passing offenses in the NFL. It was roughly equivalent to what the Seahawks did. The Seahawks leading receiver last year had three touchdowns. So Des Bryant is a freak in the touchdown department. He's a touchdown maker. Tony Romo trusts him, throws it up to him. Um, and so to me, getting Romo back, it's a huge deal for the Cowboys, obviously. I mean, that's clear. But I think um, because of their ability to score touchdowns with Des Bryant, I think you know, that, that, makes them, that, that could give them a chance in any game going down the line. Um, obviously, they've lost seven in a row and are pretty much you know, just spiraling down right now. But just the way that you know, he's, Des Bryant, with Romo passing to him, is an absolutely dominant player. So um, to me, that's, that's you know, one of the biggest factors down the stretch for the whole NFC East is, is what Des Bryant can do with Romo back. Even if the Cowboys can't sneak into the playoffs, okay, they still have to play uh, Washington twice, Green Bay, uh, the Jets. Some of these teams, Buffalo, they're still in contention. They can be a hell of a spoiler for them. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and they, they will use that kind of thing as motivation. Like, look, if we ain't going, can't nobody go to the playoffs. So uh, a lot of those teams have better be very wary. And look, I watched the film from last week, the, the, the Bucks versus the Cowboys. Matt Castle missed a lot of guys while, uh, uh, running open down the field because he just didn't see them. He, he looks, you know, he looks through maybe one or two progressions and then he either took off or threw the ball away. But uh, uh, one play in particular stands out to me is a tight end flying wide open down the field as a touchdown. I could throw, I could make that throw, I'm pretty sure, even at my old age. <laughs> and he never even saw him and had plenty of time. He still had plenty of time and ended up trying to take off running, and it didn't work out well. And also, you know, Dez didn't have a great game last week either, quite honestly. No. Had a couple uh, uncharacteristic drops. But I think a lot of it, too, was just frustration because there were other times when he was open and Castle just missed him on fade routes. I mean, five yards away from the DB in the end zone, and, he, and Castle threw it five yards out the back of the end zone. Yeah. So Tony Romo gives everybody so much more confidence on their offense. The thing that I would worry about is the two of those guys are going to try to do so much that they might end up getting hurt again. Yeah. So I, I think that's something to be a little bit wary of. You know, they both are coming off injuries that, you know, you got to be very careful with. You know, if this foot gets hurt permanently, he's done. Yeah. You cannot run around on one foot as a wide receiver. Same thing with a quarterback. You know, th- th- these 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 things have to be concerning, you know, especially if you don't have anything to play for, so to speak. You're not going to the playoffs. But if they play the rest of the season together, you can expect a lot of, a lot of upsets. I don't think that they can possibly, even in that division, make up enough room to get to get into the playoffs, especially because the other other divisions aren't nearly as bad. But they can definitely spoil some other people's Christmas. Yeah. And, um, and two, you know, I, I think one thing that maybe helps Tony, it works in Tony Romo's favor, is they put him on that temporary injured reserve list. And that sort of saved, saved him from Dr. Jerry a little bit, too. They didn't get rushed <laughs> back, right. you know, sooner than he Because he was practicing sort of in a, in, a, in a technical sense of the term a few weeks ago and you know with you know when he hurt his back was that was just last year wasn't it that jerry jones ran down to the locker room and 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 gave him the seal of approval for the next week before the game was even over dr jerry and and so you know that was yeah i mean you're better off with dr kevorkian than you are with dr jones Uh, running your diagnosis and i wonder that too with des bryant because he we know that first game he came back from that foot injury he still looked a little Rusty. I mean, you know, I don't want to give medical prognosis based on my amateurish football prognosis, but it's a, you know, it is always a question with the Cowboys when when they've got an injured player of that magnitude and caliber. But uh, they play the Dolphins this week, and then Turkey Day, they're against the Panthers, which ought to be a pretty interesting game. Oh, yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> I hate when those Thanksgiving football games go belly up because then it's like, then you got to have a conversation and you're just. Oh, you actually got to talk to your family. Yeah, and then you're full and you know you're having those carb crashes from all that Thanksgiving food and you can't possibly bring yourself to eat another piece of pie, but you're going to have to do it anyway. <laughs> oh, man. That, that makes me excited for Thanksgiving. I always like 
Like Thanksgiving, fo- like football and Thanksgiving. I mean, I, I sound like a, an advertisement for the NFL. I'm really not trying to be, but I really, man, that's like, that's Christmas to me. That's my favorite day of the year. It's just like, I'm going like to eat like a hog yeah. and watch, fo- I mean, I'm working now, but like, I'm going to eat like a hog and watch 10 hours of football that day. Yeah. One game what at are, a time, too. What are the other games this year? Uh, well, we got the, the who are the, the Eagles and is it the Eagles and Lions? Um, we got three gonna, Thursday games that's Philly and Detroit, Chicago and Green Bay, and Dallas and Carolina. Chicago Green Bay could actually be interesting if Green Bay continues the yeah, the uh, way Chicago's playing right now. Yeah. <laughs> Jeffrey. That's right, man. And what if Kevin White comes back? I don't think he's probably going to, but that could be kind of interesting. Yeah. Did they, did they put him on IR to return? Because I thought he was done for the year. I think he's on I think he got ended up on IR. Yeah, the official IR. Yeah. Okay. Like out for the season. But I, I would double check that because I'm not 100% sure. But I, 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 I'm looking at an article. He, he, he's out for the year. I'm looking at an article right now from two days well, ago. Well, he's on the pup list, but it's as yeah, of end of Tuesday. October, he was still considered that the Bears never officially closed the door, but it's everybody seems to think that it's pretty much a miracle if he does play this right. year. So, so it says they, a, they, have, they have till Tuesday to decide. And that's their foot that's a foot again. So again. Yeah. Young young guy, you spend a first round pick on him, you can't afford for their foot. To go bad no. permanently, you, you just think it's not worth it. They probably won't play him, yeah. No, and it's not. And then the Bears aren't in a situation. I mean, the Bears are good, and they can sneak into a wild card spot, but they're not in the situation where it's like you need to risk a guy's career to make the Super Bowl or something like that. No, not now we got Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, exactly. You can figure it out next year. So exactly, and yeah, you know that's a pretty. They have a decent group of weapons on that offense anyway. Yeah. Right? Yeah, especially with Zach Miller becoming the next Gronk. (laughs) 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 And the young running back back that replaced Forte is pretty good, too. Yeah, Yeah, he's real good, man. Uh, They haven't hardly missed a beat with him. I mean, in that Rams game, he was the one, not Todd Gurley, that was stealing the spotlight last week. What a ter- what a terrible game! I didn't want to get started on that. <laughs> that was back to normal. <laughs> that was some that was some classic Jeff Fisher. That was some classic Jeff Fisher coaching right there that week. Did it just piss you off reading the article that I wrote this week? <laughs> no, it just pissed me off. I'm like, yep, uh huh, yeah, I know, uh huh, I understand. Yeah, of course they're gonna blitz and they're gonna run the ball. Yeah, I know what's gonna happen here. <laughs> so it was more like a. a the highly agreeable church parishioner when I was reading that article. You know what I mean? <laughs> the guy in the back that yells amen at everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Um, all right. I, there's another game on the schedule this week that I thought was kind of worth it. I mean, the Vikings-Packers game's a, a, a pretty hot ticket, so to say. But um, there's another one I wanted to bring up here and i think the uh the Bengals cardinals game on sunday night looks kind of interesting yeah it would look a lot more interesting if the Bengals hadn't completely shit the bed against the texans but <clears throat> but yeah that's gonna be a good game any prediction you know early predictions no the loss might actually make it even more of a game because that's maybe true. the Bengals come out pissed off now yeah so, that's true i don't know it's but, in arizona uh, I think the Cardinals. Go ahead, Stephen. No, I was just going to say, which, you know, I'm not sure that actually gives them any kind of advantage, all things considered, because, you know, they're not going to have weather or anything in their favor. And it's not like way West Coast or something from Cincy, so we'll see. No, I I always get confused with Arizona because they have that that time ch- where they don't do daylight savings time or whatever. So it's like <laughs> yeah. sometimes they're two hours. Behind, I'm in the central time zone. Sometimes they're two hours behind me, and sometimes they're an hour behind me, and I never can remember which one it is. But I, you know, I'm pretty lucky to know what day of the week it is when it's not <laughs> Sunday or Monday anyway. So that's probably <laughs> not really a big surprise there. And then the Bills Patriots Monday night is is another kind of interesting one on the schedule this week. 
It's yeah. in New England. And well, Rex Ryan's already come out and sort of soft pedaled expectations a little bit. So Yeah, I'm much more interested in that Bengals uh Yeah partners to be honest with you, because after what I saw from Rex Ryan the first time around, I, I'm not really <laughs> expecting much uh this time around either. Now now they do have some things going in their favor because you know, we talked last week about uh Deion Lewis not being somebody we thought they would count on as the season started, but now he's out and they don't really have anybody to replace him. Now you got uh, um, uh, the the wide receiver who's hurt, uh, Edelman. Julian Edelman, yeah, hurt, and so now somebody's going to have to step up and kind of take his place. And so you know they do have some, some reasons for for hope, but I just I I think Rex is going to implode. I think he's scared, quite frankly, of the Patriots and Bill Belichick, and and it's going to show up just like the water boy. You know, when the coach didn't have his notebook, he just going to kind of curl up in a ball and start crying and, and let him beat him again. So, look, look, I don't want to just keep bashing Rex. I really want to talk about that, that, the, the Cardinals game because I need to study what they're doing more on offense in Arizona because I just don't understand how a vertical passing game is working that well in 2015. But it's like whenever he wants to, Carson Palmer can just – pull the trigger, and somebody's going to be open and deep. Mm-hmm. And so we, we know that the Bengals, kind of like the Vikings, are, are a very disciplined defense. Got some really good pass rushers up front. Uh, Geno Atkins is back to being Geno Atkins, and Carlos Dunlap is bringing it too. So to me, I think if they're going to match up with that offense, it's going to have to be up front. They're going to have to get so much pressure on, on Carson Palmer that he just doesn't feel comfortable sitting in the pocket and, and making throws. But if they can't, or if they have to blitz in order to get that kind of pressure on them, hey, man, it could be a long day again. Yeah. I, Carson Palmer's really not – I mean, he's having a hell of a season. <laughs> yeah, he made, some, he made some really good throws against the Seahawks this past week. You know, I, going into the game, the big matchup for me was whether, you know, the Seahawks, who historically the last couple of years have been really, really good against a deep pass, whether they could stop that, and they didn't. I mean, they, they pressured the hell out of him, too. He, they got 30 quarterback pressures in that game, um, which is twice as much as the Seahawks gave up with their crappy-ass offensive line. So they really got to him <laughs> a lot and still made some incredibly good throws. Uh, you know, his touchdown pass to Michael Floyd down the left sideline was just on the money, you know, right over the cornerback's, like, reach and everything. Mm-hmm. His touchdown pass to Jermaine... Gresham was a was a beauty, and so he and then he also made a pass to the right, touched uh, right end zone over Richard Sherman, who kind of bit on an underneath route. Um, so all three of those throws, you know, obviously they got him, they hit him twice, they actually forced two turnovers on him, one of which they returned for a touchdown. So in some respects, they did a good job on him. But when he when he had time to throw, man, he made them pay. Yeah, uh, you know, so uh, man, he is just playing really really well right now. I, I heard a lot of people talking about how. He might have the best deep ball accuracy of any quarterback in the NFL right now. You know, and he was playing well last season before he got hurt. Oh yeah, this year. not as well as he is this season, but he was doing. He was having a nice year until he got hurt last year. The the Cardinals. I'm not a big QB wins guy, but the Cardinals are 14 and two in the last 16 games that he started. Huh. So obviously he's doing something right. Absolutely. Yeah, and I would agree with that assessment about him being the best deep ball faster. I mean, who's better? Think about it. Uh, he he dropping dimes to these guys, and and it, and it helps when Larry Fitzgerald looks like he's going to see the wizard, and all of a sudden he's twenty five years old again. <laughs> but look, all these other guys are, are making plays for him too, and and the Bengals obviously know Jermaine Gresham well because uh, he used to be a Bengal. But yeah. I don't remember him necessarily. I remember him having the potential to make plays down the field, but uh, you know, he dropped a whole bunch of those balls when he was insensitive, which is why he isn't there anymore. Yeah. But now it seems like all these guys are making all the catches because they're right there. Like, they're perfect balls. They don't really have to do a whole lot of contorting to catch them. They're just, like, the perfect position. And you just don't see that in this day, day and age, man, all over the field. And he's not taking check downs. <laughs> he's no. looking no. To, to, to knock your block off every single time. I don't care what just happened. You might have just scored on offense. He getting out there first play, and he's chunking it down the field. So, I mean, I love to see that out of Carson Palmer. I actually was one of those people who thought he was done 
uh, after his time in, in Oakland. So I, I'm as amazed as anybody at his turnaround. But this dude is dealing right now, period. We, we, we definitely don't talk about him enough, I don't think, compared to the kind of season he's having and the kind of things he's doing to help their team win. Yeah. Yeah, and you're just, you know, and just looking at the numbers with the other guys, look how well Larry Fitzgerald's played. Michael Floyd, man, there's a guy that everyone had kind of given up on too. And then suddenly mm-hmm. he's having a hell of a season with Palmer. And then you got John Brown and Jerron Brown is the other one. Yeah. And JJ Nelson. They've got <clears throat> they've got some crazy weapons. But it all comes back to that passing. But that's kind of, you know, the Arians. I mean, Arians is another coach. It was just a, doing a heck of a job. Heck of a job, Brownie. <clears throat> Uh, doing a heck of a job in a it's frustrating the team he's got yeah it's frustrating how logical <laughs> they are like they like <laughs> i mean it, like i would really love like steven was saying like how they make a vertical passing offense work in the modern nfl you know what they're doing that is special about that but but man it's like they use their they use david johnson in the passing game really well they use him really smartly uh they use andre ellington smartly they have, you know, interesting and creative play calling. Like that, uh, the play call where they scored the touchdown that sealed the deal against the Seahawks was a really cool play call. Mm-hmm. It was essentially like a, like a, it was a weird like sort of uh, bootleg um, <clears throat> uh, inside handoff like draw play. I don't know. It's just like they they do some cool stuff and and obviously it helps that they have a quarterback that can execute all these cool schemes that they're doing but i just really like the way they're using their tools it's it's another one of those teams that's like man like why don't every team do why doesn't every team do stuff like this it's just like maddening yeah it is i it's it's a I don't know. I, it's a it, good question, but it's all to lot come of, back and see the schemes out scheming themselves. And yeah. a lot <laughs> of it comes down to the quarterback executing, and I understand that, um, you know. But at the same time, it's just like some of the scheming is annoying, you know, from teams in general. Yeah, yeah. over scheming. Yeah, exactly. I think what's what's interesting about them too is I don't necessarily think they have a really good offensive line either. And I know uh, Mike Ayupati got hurt, uh, who was their big free agent acquisition at left guard. But even at that, their head coach and their offense coordinator has, has figured out a way to still be able to throw the deep ball. Because I think that, that's really what kind of scares most people off from, from committing to throw the ball deep as much as they do, is that that takes time. And that means you're giving the opposition time to get to your quarterback. And obviously we know after having seen last year, they can't really operate without Carson Palmer, so they need to keep him healthy. But they're finding ways to do it with the offensive line that I think is probably average at best. Yeah. Yeah, and it sounds like IU Potty will be – I don't know if he'll be back this week, but he'll be back soon. They was He was in the locker room the other day. He that yeah. looked – that was a scary – that was one of those injuries you're just like you hold your breath because it was a scary-looking one. I mean, anytime you see a guy getting carted off on a on a board like that, it's, it's, That's the second one of those in a row for the Seahawks. Seahawks games because the Ricardo Lockett one one's really oh, scary. Oh yeah, that's right. And yeah, those those injuries are so scary. Kind of really puts it in perspective. Obviously, it's like man, uh, this is just a sport where you know these are human beings out here really risk, risking their health. It's it's crazy that you can kind of lose track of that. But but those are sobering moments for sure. Yeah, definitely. You can you can almost you can hear the NFL actuaries scrambling every time that happened. Listen, uh, as a player, there's you never really even want to finish those games when it happens. Oh, I can imagine. Like, I know I know sometimes you get emotional, you're mad because you got maybe you think your guy got a cheap shot or something, but the reality is in the back of your head you're thinking that could just as easily be you. Yeah. And that's and you always see that you can I mean you see the other players on the other team coming over to those situations because mm-hmm. that's just I mean that's. You know, you different teams, but everybody's kind of saying the same, you know, your coworkers in a sense, too. You know, you care for each other. Yeah, two of the guys that were following Ayupati to the to the ambulance were Seahawk players, Will Tukuafu and Demarcus Dobbs, who were, you know, teammates with him for a couple of years on the Niners. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just I mean, that's just an example of that. Um, to end the show, though. Maybe we should talk about something a little happier and the Stanton dance up the sideline. 
<laughs> that, that was like seriously the funniest thing I've ever seen. And I was like, you know, as a Seahawks like guy, I was probably supposed to be kind of annoyed at that. But that, that was like the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I didn't see the first part of it. All I saw, I came back when it first happened. I came back in, like I looked up and I saw, I saw him doing the last part of it where he was like, it looked like he was making the, the hand wank motion. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then like, oh yeah, I got, I see. Oh my gosh! But you know, go ahead, Steven. No, and look, we know all the controversy about Cam and his dance. But I promise you, as a player, I would have been much more pissed off with him, Drew Stanton, because he didn't have a a damn thing to do with the play, and you're waving them in like you're uh, air traffic controller or somebody. (laughs) Come on! (laughs) I might have found a way to trip out of bounds and knock the shit out of him. I'm just saying. Ton guys that actually are playing right there at the edge of the field. Yeah, he he might have caught it. He really might have. Uh, they're just yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. Don't get me wrong. It's hilarious. But if you're playing and you see somebody on the sideline talking like you like, that's 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 the most infuriating thing of all. And that's why usually in that situation, if somebody doesn't score and you're not about about to lose a game, you make a snide remark about them. Being on the sideline, yeah. But uh, so you couldn't in that moment because it, it was a pretty bad play. But yeah, I, I mean, come on, man. I don't <laughs> have any problem with anybody celebrating. But I mean, literally, he's right on the sideline. Like, let's go, let's go. Like <laughs> they just won the Super Bowl. <laughs> right. Ride the pony. Ride the pony. <laughs> <laughs> No ass back on the bench where you supposed to be. He does a karate kick at the end. <laughs> like a flying kick. And everybody was spent the week pissed off at Cam Newton. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh. It's so dumb. I, yeah. and you'll notice I, the loyal listeners who've made it this far in the podcast will notice that we haven't touched on the DAP, contra, quote unquote, DAP <laughs> controversy. But I'll have yeah, to say. Yeah. Look, let me let me stop you right there, cause Chris Chris Carter already catching hell, cause he done said the wrong word. It's dab, d a b, dab, like dab. You know, dab. Yeah, there you go. Gotcha. Not dab, dab. Dab. For some reason, Chris Carter came up with a word that don't have anything, don't even sound like dab, and was just you know going through the motions of really trying to explain a dance that he had no clue about the other day on ESPN. It was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> talking about Chris, you're absolutely 100% wrong. But yeah, I, I don't want nobody coming out to you, Ryan. So it's a up on them. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I already got, I got in big trouble for my son the other day because I wasn't, he was telling me the nene, the lyrics that go with that, and I didn't recognize it. And he goes, literally, goes, he goes, Dad, you don't know anything. Yeah, I, I mean, if the, if there's more lyrics than Let Me Whip, Let Me Nay Nay, I have no idea. That's the only thing <laughs> I recognize in that song. Well, I don't know what he was saying, something, but it turned into the Nay Nay. I'm like, what? And he goes, you don't know anything. I'm like, well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You're not hip with it. <laughs> like the lyrics to a song named Whip Nay Nay. I mean, and he on. couldn't even, like, I couldn't even fall back on the, hey, I pay the bills, I keep the lights. I think it's like, <laughs> Well, that's part of like you. I like the nene is a thing in the NFL world. You kind of have to know that right now, and like to not like immediately recognize. I was stunned that I like. Oh, well, I didn't catch it. I didn't know. I didn't. And it's like you couldn't come back with the hey, who pays your bills? Who keeps the lights on for you? Retort that you know is always the good old parent standby. Right. Yeah. <laughs> let, let, let me clarify something though. I don't. Well, I didn't, wouldn't want people mad at Drew Stanton either. I'm talking about from a player's perspective. Like, if I was going to fight somebody or, or take a cheap shot on somebody, I'm going to take a cheap shot on the guy on the sideline that ain't even playing, that's doing all the damn talking and celebrating. Yeah. But a fan now, just, you know, being a fan, hell, I thought it was funny too. I think everybody should, should, should uh, embrace celebrations. For guys who actually do something, I mean – I. I don't get being mad because somebody celebrated something when we're watching to be entertained in the first place. Yeah. As long as we're hey. talking to anybody or trying to instigate a fight, who gives a shit? 
a know. lot of people. And it's always and it's fun. It's kind of <laughs> it's always been fun to kind of go back like the sack dances. I remember for you know like to figure out oh that's the you know which you know they'd bring in the professional wrestling moves into that. That was always fun to kind of see you know who was where in the competition and what they were doing with that. And it just. I mean, my God, if anybody has fun, then they should just be flogged or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't get it. I don't the concerned bomb, that was really what set it off. Like, yeah, I'm used to seeing the people, the idiots on Twitter. But, man, when the concerned mom wrote the letter about the dap. The concerned PR yeah. uh, lady. She wasn't a concerned mom. She was full of shit. Oh, she, yeah. I don't even think she was at the game nor saw what happened because she said that Cam Newton was doing pelvic thrusts. And I was yeah. done reading her article after that. That's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> Out of all the things that Cam has ever done, he never did anything like, you know, uh, 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 the Bennett the kid. Uh, right. Yeah. Like, you know, or, or Von Miller with the three pumps because that's how you get in trouble, evidently, the three pumps. <laughs> <laughs> according, according to Michael Bennett, yeah, you know, yeah. got to keep two pumps, but he ain't even doing that. You know, he's just doing a, a dance. That guess what? Everybody else has been doing all season two. Uh, uh, the kid uh, Odell Beckham Jr. do does like a ten second dance after he catches a touchdown Seriously. with all kind of crazy stuff going on with it, and that's the dab too. Yeah. So uh, that's the part that kind of pissed me off is that. All she was doing was looking for some attention. And I, I, I kind of think she got a lot more of the negative kind than she thought she was going to get, though. Yeah. And it's funny because she's heard this uh, professional PR woman, and then they found her Twitter account. <laughs> yeah, that, that's never going to work out well for you. People <laughs> 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 turn into Twitter detectives when you do stuff like that, man. They find you. Oh, and look, yeah. They're stealing they mentions right now because if somebody that ain't signed on to Twitter, until today, and they're like, oh, really? <laughs> and so, yeah, I mentioned probably still look like you know a, 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 a tragedy right now. I'll put it that way. <laughs> and I'll say this, man. Props to the Panthers for defending him. Too. Oh, I know yeah, some of those teams great. are get uptight about stuff. And and I've dealt with some teams that are more uptight than others, but man, I'll I'll have to hand it to the Panthers for embracing this too. And not just like like not embracing it by not like saying trolling. anything, but yeah, embracing it by having fucking fun yeah. with it too. That was awesome. I mean, you know, if you're gonna sell, if your job is to sell tickets, then you might as well do that stuff. I mean, it's just like then back up your players for stuff like that. Hell, yeah. it's not Jerry Jones out talking about Greg Hardy and shit. It really does feel like people forget that this is an entertainment industry. You know what I mean? Like, why do people give a shit if they celebrate? This doesn't make any sense to me. People got to be upset about something. Now, I'll say with That's the Cam true. thing, you know, you read that woman's letter and you look at the responses when you really get down into the bowels of the comment sections and Twitter and stuff like that. There's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of code words getting thrown around in that one. Yeah, I and, and I think that's part of it. Not even code in some cases. Yeah, uh, some of them are pretty damn blatant. Yeah, the whole thug shit. That, that, that man, that burns me up every time I see it because we yeah. know what you're really trying to say. Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. Talking about a thug for a dude that takes off running and is smiling the whole time when he could get hit at any moment by a linebacker, a strong safety. This dude is running around smiling. Yeah, in the middle of the play. But you call him a thug because he's dancing. I mean, get <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even, you know, I'm not even going to get upset about that kind of crap anymore. I just think it's stupid, but I don't get it, man. And look, it, you don't like him because he's on a rival team. I 100% get that. Yeah. But you will want your players celebrating just like the, the, the same player that confronted him and wanted to fight him, celebrate over him when he got a sack early in the game. So don't be... You know, this hypocrite about it. You don't want your team running around like robots and nobody celebrating anything. Let that man celebrate too. Yeah, exactly. It's a uh, whew. It's it's always good. And I, the poor Cammy got involved in it the week before with that banner thing and those idiots. <laughs> yeah, oh, I forgot to say the the, the the best thing was Cam coming back saying. With the whole, I'm sorry if you were offended apology, which I used to hate, but I love this time. Uh-huh. I said, but I'm going to keep on doing it. 
thought that was the best. Yeah, I'm sorry if you was offended, but I'm going to keep on dancing. So, yeah, you're going to have to live with that. <laughs> That's good stuff. Uh, well, we're running up over the hour mark now, so we should probably wrap it up. Uh, we can get, I can get this thing edited and up on the, to the Internet where the Internet commenters can do what they're going to do with it. <laughs> All right. Can't wait for that. <laughs> As always. Well, they've already got our Twitter addresses, so we're already we're already in deep shit in that in that regard anyway. <laughs> Free game. That's right. I'm I'm surprised nobody's jumped on the Bears. You didn't have the the Packers and Vikings fans haven't come after you like the Manziel fans did. No, I did. Right, and I did get one of the. I think one of the first comments of the article on the Bears was. Look, I didn't read the article. It was way too long. <laughs> but they're four and five. Can't, yeah, I know. It's like, look, I didn't read the article. It was way too long. <laughs> and then he, I think, then he asked, okay, so why are they, why are they good? They're four and five. Like, read, 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 read it, maybe? I don't know. Should have said, well, I didn't read your comments, so I'm not sure if you what exactly it is you want. So uh, it's just perfect. I didn't read your comment, but I'm pretty sure you're a dumbass. So I can't really but I'm not equipped to judge that right at this point. So Man. <laughs> well guys, uh we, we should y'all get back to corrupting the youth of the world with our work today then. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, let's let's meet up again next week. Oh well, we'll have to talk about schedule because next Thursday is um, next Thursday at this time. I plan to be um, in a food coma. In a food coma, or you know, loading up on more food. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm already looking forward. My wife was making the baking list the other day. I was like, oh man. Sometimes, sometimes I just wish it's like you can throw the other shit out the window and just bake stuff. Cut out the middle, man. That's right. But but then you don't get the meat, all the that stuff too. So I can't. I mean, and if you don't have vegetables cooked in pork fat, you're doing something wrong for your <laughs> holiday, right there. I'm gonna tell you. But uh, so we'll uh, we'll touch base on schedule. But if we don't talk to folks next week, um. I want to, on behalf of everyone here, I want to wish everyone a happy and pleasant Thanksgiving. Go enjoy it. Take a break from, uh, from, from being pissed off about people's touchdown dances for a while. <laughs> and, guys, happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Happy Thanksgiving. And uh, let's talk again real soon. Sounds good. Cool.